We used to be good friends, but that's all come to an end. Hello, everybody. This is Gabby Scott with another episode of We Were the Best of Friends Until We Weren't. If you all recall from season one, we did an episode featuring a discussion group to talk about interracial friendships in light of the protests. It was a beautiful, natural conversation, and many listeners responded how they learned so much that they could apply to their own conversations and relationships with others. Based on this feedback, I have decided to bring together another discussion group, this time to talk about the LGBTQ community and friendships. One of the participants made a great point how there's a lot of different content out there for the families to deal with having a queer family member, but not really any focus on friendships, even though that's typically the first hurdle to get over. So that's the content we're bringing today. We'll go over what it means to be a good ally, discuss labels and pronouns, and just dive deeper of how being a part of this community affects friendships and just gain overall understanding. We have an all-star group of people on, on here with us today. I'm talking straight up badasses, all who identify as queer in some way, but with a variety of backgrounds. So that being said, I'll hand it over to the participants to introduce themselves, starting with Erica. Cool, cool. What's up, guys? My name is Erica Bogard. I'm a U.S. heptathlete, professional Nike athlete, and uh, I'm bisexual. And um, I go by her, like, I'm still a, a woman, so, like, I go by all, like, regular terms, like, <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> awesome. Jaren? Hi, um, my name is Jaren. I am a resident in audiology in New York City. And uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I identify as a gay Black man. Awesome. Thank you. Yadi? Hi. So I'm Yadi. Um, I am a creative technologist, so like a hybrid between a designer and a software developer. Um, yeah, I identify as queer, pansexual, Latinx, Latina, um, indígena all of these terms, uh, <laughs> and I go by she, hers. <laughs> awesome. Go ahead, Ari, finish this out. Um, I'm Ari. I am a transgender woman. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and um, I'm the first transgender woman to compete in this New Zealand. Amazing. So as y'all can see, we have an incredible group of people on with us. I couldn't even imagine a greater group just from such diverse backgrounds, just career-wise. Uh, ethnicity-wise, and obviously how they identify as well. So a couple of clarifications before we get started. Uh, first, starting with you, Yadi, could you explain more in depth about what being a pansexual means? I know I only have a certain level of understanding, so there may be some listeners who want to know more as well, if you could kind of touch on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I I don't know like an exact definition, mm -hmm. right? I, I think I think a lot of these terms like evolve over time. Um, overall, how I use it and how um, I use it in terms of like my identity is I'm basically attracted to whoever I'm attracted to. Like gender is not a factor for me. So I've dated along the spectrum. I've dated like non-binary people, trans folks, um, men, women. It, it's more so just based on like who I'm attracted to on a personal level. Right. Okay. So that's kind of what I've read too, that it's kind of like, like, so that emotional connection versus labels and gender and everything like that. Correct. That's correct. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing was for you, Ari, um, I was made aware of how a lot of times people just assume that if you're trans transgender, then you're gay. Uh, could you elaborate on that ex 
including explaining how what your sexual orientation is and just kind of maybe how people can get rid of that stigma in a sense that being transgender automatically means that you're gay? Yes, so um, I am ethnically Filipino. I immigrated to New Zealand in 1998. Um, And in Philippine culture, we have an umbrella term that encompasses gay men and trans women, which is bakla. Um, And that sort of created an issue, I guess, growing up for me, um, because it's been a lot harder for me to get my parents to understand that I'm a trans woman, I'm not a gay man. Mm. Um, I guess a lot of it is all synonymous in Philippine culture, like drag queens, gay men, trans women, like even the trans pageants back in the Philippines are called like Miss Gay Philippines or something. Um, But for me personally, I am attracted to heterosexual men. I consider myself a heterosexual female. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. I feel like I just learned so much, even just about your culture too, as well. And that's what I was saying is like, obviously, sometimes your ethnicity and your race can play a role as well. So thank you for that. So we'll jump right into it now after those clarifications. So I want to discuss the concept of coming out. I know some people feel like it's necessary. It's this whole built up thing. I know some people who are like, if people assume that, you know, I'm gay or however I identify, that's fine. I'm not necessarily going to, you know, check them or anything like that i'm not going to correct them they can just assume whatever so i kind of just want to know uh your thoughts all of you as far as the concept of coming out and maybe just share briefly too as far as your story um experience of you know the concept of coming out specifically more focusing on coming out to your friends so whoever wants to go first Um, i can go ahead and go first with that one so um for me I think that uh, coming out was a really big deal when I was in high school. Um, I came out to my mom when I was like eight and she really didn't understand um, that I could have a good concept of what my sexuality was when I was such a young age. She basically was just like, no, you don't really understand. It's okay. And I was like, okay, well maybe I, maybe I am confused or whatever. So like I kind of went back in the closet, I guess, but I always kind of knew Um, So then when I was older and I was coming out um, and I definitely knew where I was wanting to go in my life and I knew where that I wanted to be in relationships with men and I knew that I was going to have to quote unquote come out to to my family and to my peers eventually. Um, I definitely came out to my friends first because they were a source of support because I didn't know obviously my mom and my dad like loved me and all that stuff but like you're just so stressed and scared when you're coming out to your family that like you need to know that you have support elsewhere first. So I think that coming out to my friends was a big foundational portion for me um, at a young age. Um, And making sure that my family um, knew was also important, but it was the groundbreaking thing for me was telling my friends. And I think that whenever I was in college, um, it came a little bit easier to me because I didn't come out, if you uh, will. I more or less let people in is what I call it. Instead of coming out of the closet, I just, instead of saying, oh, hey guys, I'm gay. I just told people, yeah, like I have a boyfriend or this weekend my boyfriend and I did this and people just kind of caught on. Instead of making it an identity that I needed to announce to people, I just kind of shared my experiences and let them gather what they wanted to. Perfect, so you kind of had a combination of the two then in a sense. Yeah, I definitely think that coming out was more about um, uh, how I processed things and how I needed to reconcile with myself when I was younger. 
and how I felt that it was appropriate to lay that foundation uh, with my friends when I was uh, in high school. But when I got older, it was more of a appropriate thing for me to do to just let people know by telling them about situations that I was in or just sharing about myself. And instead of identifying to them as a gay man, I just kind of told them about my experiences as a gay man and let them kind of put two and two together. Gotcha. Who wants to go next? Yeah, I can add to that. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's been like an evolution uh, from like a younger self to like, as I'm getting older, there's definitely been a transition in how I see coming out as a concept. Like, I, I think, you know, when you're younger, there's a lot of sort of like identity crisis happening all the time. Like, who do I want to be? What am I trying to be? Um, like, even in college, like, you know, just like, what am I studying? What does this say about me? Um, whereas like now coming out is like, uh, in a weird way, like it's kind of a BS concept to me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think more so because you're constantly coming out, like there's never a finite point of announcement of like, this is who I am and that's it. Like as your relationships evolve, you meet new people, like you're constantly coming out. So there's never really like a point of coming out. It's more so of just coming to terms with how you express yourself to people. And similar to Jaren, you know, you just kind of adopt it in a way that it's it's natural and more organic in conversation than really like a let's sit down conversation of like, let's talk about my identity. Awesome. I think that's a really good point. I've never heard that perspective. And it makes sense as far as like it, you really never are done coming out technically. So it's not just like a point in time necessarily. And I saw um, Erica, you were nodding your head a lot to that point. Did you want to add to that at all? It's just like the concept of coming out really has changed. And she has a huge point. Like I've nobody's ever said that. And like just hearing her say it, it's just like, oh, my God, like it really doesn't like. So um, as far as my story goes, like I super chill. Nobody cared. Like I, my parents. I had, I literally didn't come out to college. So I was just like, uh, I had my first girlfriend and then I was posting her on my, uh, my social media. And that's when, uh, my parents like said something to me about it. And I was just like, well, yeah, like I've been feeling this way forever. Like, and my dad, nobody had a problem with it and life went on, like nothing changed. So like, it was just it for me, you know? Yeah. So kind of the same thing where it's like, you lived your life and whoever caught on, caught on to the situation. (laughs) I feel it. Ari? I had to come out twice, actually, to my family. Um, I came out first as a gay male um, in high school. I never really had to come out to anyone. I've always been a bit, like, feminine, so people just kind of knew. I don't have to, you know, hey, guys, like, I'm gay. Um, I did have to come out to my parents, though. I came out when I was 19, and... It didn't really go down well. Um, my family's very, very like conservative Christian. And so they did the whole pray the gay away thing. Um, they took me to doctors to try like cure my sexuality because um, conversion therapy is still like legal in New Zealand, unfortunately. So hopefully in the next election that changes, but um, at the moment it's still legal. Um, but when I came out as a gay male, I knew I was transgender and I clicked like the year before um, after doing like research online, like things made sense uh, in terms of coming out to like friends and my social circle. I didn't even have to come out really um, as a trans woman. I told them how I was feeling, but in terms of like my wider 
um, social circle. I just made a new Facebook with a new name and no one like batted an eyelash um, and then started like hormones and all that. But when I did um, come up to my parents, it was, it sort of happened like when I wasn't ready to, uh, I was in between jobs. So at the moment I wasn't, at the time I wasn't working and didn't have money coming in. But because I had been on hormones for two months and in that two months, my parents were in the Philippines. And so when they came back, like I'd already started growing boobs um, and when I'd come up the shower, I'd have a towel like over my chest because obviously like Mm -hmm. my body was changing and my face was changing and my mum picked up on it and she asked me um, if I was taking hormones and initially I denied it. Um, but then eventually I did like come clean to them and I got kicked out of home. A week after mum confronted me about it, um, I didn't want to throw my boy clothes and I got kicked out of home. I didn't really, like I asked my parents if I could have like a day or two to figure out like a housing situation. Um, they didn't let me, I just had to put all my things in big bags and I was on my way. But the first place I went to was a hair salon because I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have a place to stay. At least my hair is laid and that's important. (laughs) Hey, I hear that. (laughs) That's an amazing story though. Thank you for sharing that. And obviously, do you know how your parents then felt once you obviously accomplished uh, making all all the way as a finalist as Miss New Zealand? I mean, I'm sure that kind of showed them like I was able to be who my true self is and inspire other people. So there is that. (laughs) Yeah. Reaction to that. Like, um, so I still haven't spoken or seen my mom since I got kicked out of home. So this was back in 2017 and I haven't been back to the family's house, haven't been invited or allowed to, I guess. Um, but my dad did say to me that he respects me because when he kicked me out of home and he gave me the ultimatum to stop transitioning and stay or to continue transitioning and leave. Then I left. Since then I've been like fully, I got money together for my gender reassignment surgery without any like government funding or like health insurance. I did it all myself and went actually to Thailand by myself, which was kind of traumatic going through the whole experience alone. But um, when I came back and I fully completed my transition my dad said to me that he's proud that I did everything myself and he now sees me as his daughter and he's super supportive awesome I love that I love that that was great I'm super excited for people who are going to hear that and it's probably going to make them just feel a lot better and just know that even if things don't go great in the beginning as far as coming out and on your journey it definitely can circle back around eventually if not as long as you're true to yourself so thank you for that um so with this what would you what would you all say whoever wants to jump in uh would be advice for someone who may suspect that their friend is queer like what should the person do should they stay quiet should they sort of vocalize support like hey if you are like i'm cool like what would you say um some advice for those people in that situation yeah i can add a little bit to that i I think (laughs) jaren's kind of pointing me out because uh I guess just a little background. Um, That's pretty much what I did. That was the space that I tried really hard to when I was in college. I used to work at the LGBT center on campus. Um, 
And at the time I was president of a QDPOC group, which stands for Queer and Trans People of Color. And so it was a very, very niche space. There wasn't many of us at all. Um, I, I think the best way to approach friends or like anyone that we may suspect, right, is just having open conversations, just letting people know that you are open-minded without having to force anyone to come out. I feel like that, that could be a really dangerous situation for some people, depending on their living situation, depending on, you know, their family life situation. Like outing someone can be really dangerous. And so, you know, you never want to do that for people, but you do want to allow the space for that. And so just having open conversations without necessarily prodding at a particular person, I think would be the best method to just let people know that you're, you're waiting for them with open arms and waiting for them with a lot of love and support without necessarily having to push anything onto them. Got it. Thank you. Anyone else want to add to that? Yeah, I just kind of want to like chime in on what Yadi said. I think that it's important for people to vocalize their support for the queer community and for black and brown communities um, just in general, but not necessarily having to, for black and brown communities, it's obviously a little bit different because that's something that you can visually see on a person like that you, that, that you need to be supportive of because that's a different space and people can't change that not that you can change your sexuality or gender identity or anything like that either, but you can see that on a person. Mm -hmm. You can see their, their blackness, their brownness, their, their indigenous heritage. You can see that when you look at a person, but queerness is something that is on a spectrum and you may not be able to see it. So it's easier for people to hide. And whenever someone's hiding, they may not realize how much of a burden they're burden they're putting on themselves. Um, So I think that it's, really just a nice when they know that they can unload that burden at any time on you. So um, for black and brown people, I definitely say that put your support out there, make it loud, make it proud, make it known that you're here to stand with your black and brown friends. That's super important. But as far as being queer, um, I would say that letting people know, again, like out and about being supportive up front and out loud about it is really important, but not necessarily singling anybody out unless they are ready to come out to you or they already have come out to you. But if you're doing that to someone who you suspect is in the closet, you're not going to force them into any situation to defend their sexuality because if they're not ready to process that themselves, then they may feel that they have to defend their straightness. Mm -hmm. And that creates a lot of... um, negative emotions later when they do come out because some people feel like, well, I've let all these people down because I've lied to them and they they may have asked Mm -hmm. me in the first place. And now I have to tell them, yeah, well, you were right. I was lying to you. So if you're not asking them or poking and prodding them individually and just saying that you generally support the gay agenda, as I love to call it, um, <laughs> you, you're basically just letting them know that you support them and love them and that you're ready, um, or you're supporting and loving of a community and whether or not they identify in that community is up to them. Right. So basically making it known like this is a safe space, however you identify. Gotcha. So uh, I know people, switching topics, I know people who say, you know, why do I have to label myself cis or state my pronouns or say it's kind of a lot to keep up with. You know, Yadi kind of said that there's so many, so much terminology and a lot that's evolving over time. So 
to any of you, how important are labels and pronouns and how should they be respected as far as how people identify? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's complicated, right? And I feel like labels are amazing and they're also a burden all at the same time. I, I think, you know, constantly people evolve, right? Like you're not the same person that you were even like two, three years ago, right? And so similarly, you're... Um, sexuality is fluid and it can also change, right? Um, just as like, there's a lot of fluidity with gender expression as well. And also just like knowing that the difference between the two also helps a lot, right? Like you might still be straight, but your gender identity might be fluid and it might shift. Um, I, I think there is a lot of benefit to having labels, especially earlier on when you're trying to figure it out, um, mainly because I feel like it gives you a sense of agency. I feel like it feels a little empowering to be like, this This is what feels right. Because um, I think a lot of times, especially uh, just from my own perspective, like being pansexual was just very confusing for a long time because I was like, am I bisexual? Am I gay? Am I lesbian? Like, what, what am I? Considering like, I just found all these people attractive and I, I couldn't really define it. So when I had like a label, it was a really kind of, light bulb empowering moment to be like this fits this fits what I am yeah. and now I can find community with other people or like um, even just in in a overall queer community like I can say something and people understand me without having to like identify this the same way um, but vice versa like you know you don't have to stick to one label it is in my opinion it's totally okay to shift and evolve and you know kind of ebb and flow um, however it is that you grow as a person. Perfect. Thank you. Ari, did you want to go? I saw yeah, that you're mic. Okay. Uh, in, in terms of uh, labels and stuff, I feel that, and like pronouns, I haven't had too much of an issue with that as a trans woman who presents like extremely feminine. I guess I don't, I haven't gone out of my way to do it. It's just what feels natural to me. Um, I guess I fit society's strange like box of what a woman should be. Um, so I personally haven't had any issues with it, but I do have friends that are like gender queer, gender fluid, gender neutral. Um, so I think that they then pronouns is very important. And what I have found is that people outside the queer community don't grasp the concept of why they them pronouns are important I find that people understand he she pronouns like people know oh it's disrespectful to use he or him pronouns with me but then with friends who are gender fluid explaining to someone who isn't queer and doesn't really understand that that not using they them pronouns when that person is offensive is kind of like a uh, mm-hmm Right. So there's kind of just that, that can be the ambiguity there. And so I feel like just best yeah. is, is there a way to like ask, I guess? Cause I think that sometimes people struggle with that as like, I don't want to just be like, how do you, how do you identify and just be very like blunt, but I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Like, let me know, please. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So like with doctors and stuff here, obviously on my like medical record, even though like my name and gender has been changed legally, it's, does still say that um, I'm a transgender woman so sometimes doctors will just double check like 
what pronouns I prefer. Um, I don't personally have like an issue with people asking me like what my pronouns are, but I guess to other people they might have an issue with that. Right. So it's just case by case, like a lot of things, of course. Yeah, I think a general rule of thumb is it's always better to ask than to assume. Right, like in life? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. like in general, right? But I I definitely think that most people um, would be more appreciative if you'd ask versus just throwing whatever pronouns you think might fit. And kind of coming back to what um, Yadi said, this is obviously a podcast for people who are trying to be better allies and be better friends and um, who are going through their own uh, journeys with their own friendships and may identify as queer themselves or may identify as an ally or may want to be a better ally. So um, something that I think is important that Yadi kind of said is like better to uh, ask than to assume. So obviously as human beings, we're making assumptions all the time, but we don't have to necessarily vocalize that. So if you, like we were talking about before, maybe if you suspect and you don't know, but you want to know that you, you're putting your support out there. Another great way to put your support out there is whenever you just introduce yourself to someone, if you are trying to establish that rapport in the very beginning, just introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Jaren and I use he, him pronouns. Very plain and simple. You introduce yourself, you let them, you let them know that they are in a safe space to tell you what pronouns they prefer. And that's a great way to start it off. I love that. I think that's a really valuable tool because I feel like sometimes I haven't known like the need for like for myself to specify because like cisgender, cis female. Um, But now I I like that because like you said, it kind of just makes like an open arms situation. Now it's okay. I'm expressing this first and now I'm welcoming you to feel comfortable to express that to me as well. So I want to touch on what you just said, Yadi, because I actually said or actually had this listed um, as far as fluidity. So I know some people obviously like they're exploring and trying to find out who they are. So I kind of want to know, I guess, what the line is to the LGBTQ plus community as far as, you know, what is the line between exploring, finding yourself, what you like, how you want to be versus like can be kind of like, I guess, disrespectful sometimes because I've heard some people feel like, you know, one moment they're into girls, one moment they're not, or sometimes they date a male but then they're like, actually, never mind. I'm straight, and so I I know sometimes it creates confusion. So I just want to know if you if someone is in a place where they're trying to figure out who they are, you know, where I guess is it to do it in a way that still respects the community and themselves as well. If that makes sense, now let me know if I need to clarify that. <laughs> no, no, that's well, that's a great question. I, you know, it's it's really hard to police people, right? That's not something you want to do. You don't want to put them in a box, and you don't want to say like you're you're not allowed to do X, Y, and Z. Like that's in my opinion, the exact opposite of what the community is meant for. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think where it does become like a little blurry and it does get into this gray area is when you're like, let's say, for example, I'm exploring in, in that exploration if I'm harming other people, right? Like, let's say I'm tokenizing somebody. Let's say that I'm like, oh, you know, like I've been straight forever but I might be into girls and then I, I'm like using this girl as like a means of for my exploration. I feel like that's where it gets harmful, right? right? And I feel like that's where the community gets really offended is when you start harming people out of your own benefit. And right, 
at the same time, like you might not be physically harming them. You might not be like mentally or emotionally abusing them, but in a way you're using these people as more as um, an object, like this sort of objectification versus like genuinely exploring it for yourself and being reflective. Um, so I think that that's where the lines get really blurred and there, to me, there's not like an easy way to call anything out, right? But it, it's really a lot more internal and in how it affects the people surrounding you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ari, you look like you want to jump in on that. Yeah, um, I agree. Like we aren't in a position or no one is in a place to say, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't experiment or whatever. But I feel like one thing that if someone is wanting to, I guess this might um, be aimed at um, straight cis men wanting to explore their sexuality with other men. I feel that if you're going to do that, make sure that you are like who you are in the bedroom is who you are on the streets. Like you can't sleep with men and on the D-law and then on the streets be like homophobic and stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that I have an issue with. Like, if you're going to sleep with men, sleep with men, that's fine. But don't try and embody this toxic masculinity when you're around your friends and enable homophobic or queerphobic behavior. I think it falls along the lines of setting your intentions, right? Like it, you can easily, similarly to like how hookup culture is kind of taken off through dating apps, right? Like you're setting your intentions with someone, whether it be like we're setting a relationship or we're setting just like a one night stand, like it's consensual, right? I think, I think it goes same yeah, way. Yeah, your relationship status. Yeah, like yeah. set your expectations and set your intention with these people. Like, you know, if you are exploring, like state that, like I, I would say it's better to be really transparent with these people um, that you may or may not have uh, relationships with. Awesome. And I think it's important to to let people know what areas you're exploring. Like if you're exploring the emotional relationships aspects of being in a relationship with someone who's the same gender or the opposite gender or that's gender fluid and you're just exploring the emotional aspects of it, that's one thing. If you're exploring the sexual and physical aspects of it, that's another thing. Don't just tell people that you're exploring generally. Make it really um, about what you're exploring as well because some people are aware that you're exploring but they may think that you're just exploring sexually but not necessarily physically or are not necessarily um, emotionally or mentally is what I meant to say so make it clear which part of your journey you're on I guess yeah so of course like you said a lot of things just communication is definitely key in this type of situation and Erica I just wanted to have you speak in the sense of, you know, you had mentioned where eventually when you had a girlfriend, everyone obviously caught on that you were bisexual, but you said you had been feeling like that for a long time. Do you feel like you went through a, a phase where it was kind of just like fluidity and you didn't really know weren't putting a label on it or for a while you knew like I'm bisexual? You know, for me, I knew for a while. I grew up in a household with seven boys, seven men, whatever. Like it was just always all guys all the time, all of my cousins literally all males on my side of the family so I would do guy things I would do everything they did and then when they would like get on social media and they talk about oh well this girl looks like this this girl's look, I'd be like bro like she does look good like I'm I'm like physically attracted to her but I would never say anything so I, I've always known and then it was just like whenever I got older 
And I was just like, whatever, bro. Like, she's attractive. Let me just try. Like, you know, you never know. Like, she actually might like me back. So that's when I just first, that was my first girl. And then I just went, went on from there. Like, everybody knows, but nobody cares. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing changed within my family, my friends. Like, everybody is just, you know, the right. same. Right. So that's, that's cool, though, that you kind of were, had a comfortable space, obviously, to, like, blossom, become who you were. Yeah, everybody was who you are. Mm-hmm. College. like I had a lot of friends and they were all like either gay like like the basketball girls like I would hang out with them a lot and you know they usually are so it's just like they were they were cool people and they um I talked to them like I had somebody to talk to like I had somebody like they were the first people who actually knew so like mm-hmm. a group of friends and family like they were like my family outside of my family you know just right yeah. right so kind of back to like what this whole thing is about is like your friends are usually some of the first people that people come out to and just voice those things that you're feeling. I'm just going to have, I have one comment on something that Erica said just there was that um, that's something that happens a lot in um, athletic culture. And I've actually had this discussion with uh, one of our other um, alum from Colorado that was on the soccer team. And she was talking about how it was kind of a toxic thing that came up with some of her, um, peers at CU that were in athletics when people would assume that because they were a female athlete they were also a lesbian or they were also bisexual or something and she said that it, she felt like some of her um, peers felt like they couldn't be good allies because they were constantly trying to defend their own straightness as a straight athlete so I think that not trying to like dog on what you just said but like just being careful of like whenever we're generalizing like yeah like we do know that there are a lot of people that are in sports that are queer and that's great. And we need to have spaces in sport where it's okay to be queer and it's okay to be a powerful athlete. But whenever we're trying to establish those relationships with allies, we have to be careful to not put them in a box as well because they then have to defend themselves before they can be good allies to us. That's a great point too, because we definitely know how just in general, there's just stereotypes. And so always just, not assuming it's the whole group. So bringing it back to friendship specifically, uh, do you all feel that there is comfort in your own friendships to discuss details of your love life, sexual experiences, hobbies? Like, do you feel that there's that comfort to just, you know, discuss it openly and not having to hold back or make anyone feel uncomfortable? How do you all feel in your own friendships, Jaren? <laughs> I feel, okay, so here, here's my thing. Um, here's how I met my friendships. And this, I met this, I'm not going to say that this is the best advice or how people should approach it, but I thrive off making people uncomfortable because my thing is if I can't share something with you, then like, how is our friendship going to evolve at all? Right. <laughs> like, If I can't have these types of conversations, but you can have them with me, then it's not a reciprocal relationship. And I don't want that kind of energy in a friendship. Right. And so when I say I thrive off that is I, I talk about it pretty openly. I'm not, necessarily shy or shameful of anything like Mm -hmm. I'm pretty open off the bat but definitely when it comes to friendships like if we're gonna go there we're gonna go there and if you're uncomfortable like either get comfortable really quickly or you know our relationship isn't gonna evolve right from there like our friendship isn't gonna get deeper than that if if we can't even talk about like something in a way that can be superficial right like these conversations sort of happen all the time people make light of these conversations a lot like you know it's a little taboo it's a little scandalous but it's like those things that you talk about a lot with 
friends on a deeper level. And so if we can't even get past like a discomfort, then odds are we're not going to be great friends after that. Right. So it's telling you about the friendship anyways. Like if I can't be my full self expressive, well, probably not the best friendship anyways. With me and my friends, we are pretty open with each other. There's, there's no, st- no stone left unturned. We discuss everything with each other. And I found that since having my surgery, I am more comfortable talking about sexual experiences and stuff with my friends just because I'm a lot more comfortable in my body. And I've done things that I guess out of the norm for me, like I've done, I've had sexual experiences with girls and I've talked to my friends about it and they don't even bat an eyelash because most of my friends are actually yeah most of my friends are queer things maybe like two that aren't and most of my friends do drag and stuff so we're very like involved in the queer community here so there isn't any like judgment or stigma I guess when it comes to anything I think the only thing that you would get like telling off for is if you were being prejudiced or being bigoted which doesn't exist in my friendship circle that's good Okay, so oh, do you... sorry, I was oh, go ahead, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I was trying to unmute. So, I think that um, coming, coming to be comfortable with myself allowed me to kind of do what Yadi said, and like, I'm just gonna bring it there in the beginning. And if you can't handle it, then like, that's gonna kind of set the tone of where I steer our relationship. Like, if you can't handle uncomfortable uh, things that make you uncomfortable then you're probably not the type of person that I want to be hanging out with anyway because you have to be uncomfortable to grow you can't be in a state of um of you can't be stagnant and make progress you have Mm -hmm. to be challenging yourself and pushing yourself to grow and if that for you means learning about sexuality or learning about queer culture or learning about black culture if you're not willing to do that then you're not willing to be a part of my life so if you're not willing to be a part of my life why would I make that friendship with you but I do feel like um Yadi said like um bringing it in the beginning I definitely know that I bring it quote unquote differently whenever I'm talking to a group of straight friends and peers and Mm -hmm versus a friend group that is queer identifying or gay just because there are cultural differences between the two groups and I just feel like instead of having to explain certain nuances or certain niche things I feel like I can just be a little bit more open with my queer friends um versus when I'm with a group of straight people like it kind of depends on who I'm with if I know they're willing to do some research on their own or if I'm going to have to be the person that teaches them everything because I'm a grown man and I don't have time to be telling everybody everything like I'm not your mom so like if you're not the textbook you're fit (laughs) yeah like if you're not going to do your part of the research and bring to the table what you need to then I'm I, I don't have time for that yeah And that's totally fair. So like you said, it's not in a sense that you may not come the same way because you're ashamed as far as to a group of straight friends. But it's just like you said, it's just like, we'll have great conversation, everything, but I'm not about to break down all the terminology and stories and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, Gabby, you you were the reason Gabby knows me to listeners and people that are here that don't know Gabby and I were teammates in college. Um, We ran track together. And 
she knew a bunch of my straight teammates. And the conversations that I have with Gabby are a lot different than some of the conversations that I would have had with our straight teammates because yeah. they just weren't ready for that. And that's not, that's, there's nothing against that. I loved those guys and girls and I was friends with them. I'm teammates, we were teammates and we're some, with some of them I'm still friends. But the kinds of conversations that we have are very different because they're not willing or able to grasp the concepts that I'm trying to talk to them about because they don't, experience queer culture in the same way that I do, or they're not willing to allow themselves to participate in queer culture, whether it be through learning or through experiences, the way that I am. So I'm just expressive of that to the people that I choose to be. It's a very selective process of how I'm mm -hmm. uh, expressive of those types of interactions. Yeah, I'd like to piggyback off that like culture thing too. I mean, Jaren, how we met was <laughs> zero to a hundred too. Zero to a hundred. <laughs> I mean, just uh, <laughs> the first time we met Darren, he like walked in into the center, and literally that night I was like, "Oh, you're you're a black man. You're a personal. Call. I'm dragging you into this group. Like, I'm gonna make you come to this meeting because I see you, boo. Like, I see you sitting <laughs> on the couch. You're coming with me." And that first night that we met him, we took him to the gay club with us. <laughs> Love it. I mean, it was just, it was instantaneous, but I, I think that goes to show like that culture thing, right? Like we are careful in a lot of ways to, um, just to protect ourselves, but there's also a comfort in knowing like there is a certain type of community and there is a certain type of culture that like, you know, you can just jump into it. Mm. Yeah. And with that, I kind of have a question for the group, Gabby, if you don't mind. Go ahead, of course. So we, Yadi, you just brought something up that is really important and it's um, protection. So I just kind of want to know like what kind of protective strategies were you guys using whenever you were not ready to come out to your friends? Like in what ways were you just hiding, evading, lying? Like what how are you putting walls up around yourselves so that people that are wanting to be better allies and wanting to know how to be there for you and how to be supportive of you know maybe what to look for or what it is that um, their friends may be putting between themselves and their friend um, to kind of protect themselves from being outed, I guess. So for me personally, I like protective, I guess my like protective um mechanism that I did was prior to transitioning I did drag for a couple of years and I guess for me personally I was like I never thought I would have the strength or courage to transition so I guess that was my way of dipping my toes into womanhood without actually having to fully change my whole life around with transitioning or having to I guess transition when I'm not mentally or emotionally ready for that yet um, and I guess that did kind of help me when I did transition because it wasn't a shock to a lot of people it wasn't shocking um I, like, like we shouldn't ever assume um people's like gender identity or sexuality but a lot of people like did say they already knew or had a feeling um but yeah Thank you. Yeah, I think for me, like, let's just call it what it is. Like, I used my privilege. Like, I am a cis gender woman. Like, I look straight. And, you know, being pansexual, I dated, like, men here and there. And so I had protection just out of privilege. Um, 
So I definitely leveraged that. But I, I also felt that a, a long of the times in order for me to process and be able to like protect myself and my community was protecting others. And so I think that, um, I don't know, Darren, I don't know if you felt this way, but I was very protective of like my queer like family in college and like in high school, like I was super protective. I was super vocal and in a weird way, instead of quieting myself, um, projecting was actually my protection. Yes, I definitely felt protected. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that kind of like uh, you mentioned earlier, like I was kind of grouping myself with or I mentioned, I guess, earlier that I was kind of grouping myself with like our athlete friends um, or my athlete friends when I was younger um, to kind of separate myself because like, oh, I'm I'm this athlete and I'm a guy. So like I do guy things, I do boy things like there's no way that I'm I'm gay or queer or uh, like to wear heels and all those things. Like I love to do all of those things, but like putting myself in a social category um, was a privilege for me. So like I like to uh, like commend Yadi for like recognizing that and pointing that out because I definitely had privilege in that way that I was very at the time I feel like I was a lot more straight passing because I I tried actively to be straight passing um, and I was in things that were stereotypically for straight men so I was an athlete and I did um, I was involved in certain athletic groups and organizations that were predominantly run by and led by straight men so I think that that provided me a privilege in that way as well. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, soon to wrap it up here. um, But first, have you lost, have any of you lost friends along your journey to be the real and true you? Any specific ones you can think of? Go ahead, Erica. College and uh, one of my, like, I wouldn't say she was my best friend, but at the time I was becoming close friends. And then uh, people were starting to think that she was like, gay or whatever because she was hanging out with me and she let that ruin everything for us so i was just like bro like if 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 you let that ruin our friendship then we really didn't have a friendship in the first place so that was just the one experience i had with that mm-hmm. i've never really lost friends because of it but i have severed a lot of different other types of relationships like i have lost like family ties mm-hmm. um due to it i have lost um certain types of romantic relationships because of it um just because uh you know a lot of times ego happens especially with fluidity there there's always like this sort of ego that happens where it's like well if like let's say you switched the gender that you're dating like i they they feel like they physically don't have something that the other gender can offer and so there's like this sort of like fight internally with their own ego that like prevents like us having a relationship so it's definitely severed ties in in different ways but I wouldn't necessarily say my friendships I, I think bouncing off what Erica said you know like if we can't get past certain things then were we really friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have lost um, a friend but it was on my own terms um, when I first came out um, 99% of my friends straight away started using um, she her pronouns and started calling me Ari. I did have one friend, though, who I considered to be my best friend for the longest time. Her and her partner seemed really reluctant to use the right pronouns and to stop dead naming me. And I always thought that that would change the further I lo- further along my transition I got. Um, but I've 
gone on my surgeries, gone on everything, been on hormones for three years. And to this day, they were still dead naming me. And I just cut her off without any explanation, without having a conversation with her. Because if I have to tell you to not dead name me, if I have to tell you to use the right pronouns when everyone around me is using the right pronouns and using the correct name, then you're not really a friend to begin with because there's no like basic respect there again. Yeah, Ari, I just wanted to to bring it up really quick because there may be some listeners that aren't aware, but can you explain what dead naming is, please? Yeah. So dead naming is essentially calling either a trans person or a queer person the name they were assigned at birth when they don't identify with that name. Um, in terms of dead naming, it's I personally don't find it offensive when people ask what my previous name was, but it is offensive to a lot of people. So I guess for anyone listening in on this, um, I would avoid asking queer or trans people what their dead name is. And thanks, Jaren, for that clarification, because I definitely, I kind of assumed what it was, which we just talked about not assuming, so I probably should have asked. But um, I appreciate, Ari, for you clarifying that and Jaren asking the question. Um, and then back to your uh, your first question, Gabby, um, any friendships that I've lost? I've lost uh, some friendships, not necessarily because, well, I, I guess I have lost one friendship slash teammate relationship that wasn't great because they were very outwardly homophobic so there really wasn't getting around that but um I've lost friendships and relationships um family ties because not necessarily of things that they've said said or done directly to me but because of how I've seen um their actions and behaviors reflect um their beliefs about the queer community and as Yachty pointed out not the gay agenda the homo schedule um so (laughs) I don't think that um I've really had too many friendships that I've allowed to get to such a personal level that I feel like I've lost a friendship or a relationship whenever I cut someone off like if I've had to cut you off because you don't accept who I am or uh, the community that I'm a part of then we weren't good friends in the first place and I'm not losing anything you are so I don't consider myself as having lost very many friendships in that way but one friendship that was very significant to me that I did lose because of um, my coming out process was um, one of my best friends in high school who is now he identifies as a gay man but at the time he was, we were in very different different uh, stages of questioning and we weren't at the same stage at the same time and we were in high school and we didn't really communicate that well with one another. So we, I was out before he was and he felt like associating with me would kind of pull him out faster. So that friendship kind of dissolved at the time. And um, recently, since we're on a friendship podcast recently, we've kind of created contact again through social media and are starting to like just normalize being friends again now that we've realized, yeah, like that was kind of silly that we're not, that we weren't friends in high school because we're, we were gay at different stages, different levels of gay, if you will, and high school, but now we're both fully out gay men. So it was kind of silly that we weren't friends for that reason for a short period of time. But um, just since we're on the friendship podcast, I thought I should share with where I was on that process. Yeah, I appreciate that more detailed story because I hadn't thought about that where it's like, 
not being on the same maybe step or stage and someone coming out and accepting who they are that can cause obviously a rift between two people even though eventually you all end up identifying the same way anyways so i'm glad y'all could power social media shout out um so to wrap things up just any final thoughts from each of you or just last points that you think are important for listeners to hear whether how to be a good ally just how to ask questions anything that you just think you know those last magic words each person uh whoever wants to go first can give that to the audience um i guess i could go first um yeah just kind of like our little recap of just making sure that if you have if you have friends that you want to be supportive of whether you um know that they are newly out or you suspect that they're that they're um, wanting to come out or you suspect that they may be in the closet and repressing certain things, or if you just want to express in general that you are supportive of people, um, I would say go ahead and do that, but do it in a way that's not targeted at any one person or um, using a friend as a token, as an example saying, well, I have this gay friend, like that means that I can support all gay people because that again, is not true and that can be harmful for a lot of people. So don't tokenize the friends that you do have and the relationships that you do have because that puts a different stress and strain on that individual and your relationship. Um, I would definitely say that just general overall support and educating yourself at any cost is definitely the best way to prove to people that you're in their corner. So Darren's on that with um, performative allyship versus true allyship, right? Um, uh, this is this could be like a whole topic on its own, um, like performative allyship. But really, it's it's more so just be very intentional and very true to your type of allyship. Um, you know, be cognizant of where your friends are at because you might have a multitude of queer friends or who identify in various types of ways and they all might be in different parts of their journey. And so, you know, avoiding those generalizations and really just being aware of where each of your friends are is really key to their experience with you as an ally. Um, I think if someone is wanting to know how to be a good ally, I definitely that doing your own research to queer people. My major in university was not gender studies, it was fashion design. So it's not really our job or responsibility, I guess, to educate someone on gender identity um, or things like that. Um, and I have another point. I forgot it. Um, oh yeah. So um, if like there's a lot of things going around at the moment. We live in a time where social media is super, super like it's a big part of our lives. And if you want to say you care about, I guess, the queer community and you know you're down with us, but all you want to post and talk about is RuPaul's Drag Race, but you don't want to talk about how Black trans women are being killed left, right, and center, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And if that doesn't do something to your core like emotionally then you aren't really an ally because you don't care and I think that's a big defining factor on what a good ally is someone who cares I love that 
I love that. That's great. I want to say thank you all so much for coming on here. This is just amazing. I feel like I learned so much just myself and I know this will be very beneficial to the listeners as well. And just uh, if any of you all just whether now you know how to be a better ally, uh, if you're that you know clear person in a friendship, don't know how to navigate it, I hope this gave you tools. And of course, vice versa, um, if you maybe have a clear friend or someone who you, again, suspect is maybe going through that journey, uh, just at the end of the day, just show love, respect, intention, as Yachty said, um, just, it can just be a lot easier, a lot easier when we just show that love and support. And like Ari said, too, is like, if you're going to be one way on social media or in front of certain friends, be the other way, vice versa as well. So thank you all so much again. Amazing people, Yachty, Jaren, Ari, and Erica. You guys are absolutely fantastic. So thank you all for listening and we will see you the next episode. In the beginning, we were inseparable to become one. Now a season's over, absence is your trophy.